podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with Tetrarch of Touching the Tips Together, Chris Prunty, along with continued special guest, Daniel Quinn. On today's episode, we have another listener email that we're going to read and get into. Man, it's an interesting one. I'm actually very excited. You could even say that I'm flying high on the idea to get working on it. God. <laughs> yeah, no, it's terrible. I love it. We have an email from Gluax Speed that says, Hello, friends. Really love the podcast and I'm all caught up now. Would love to see a setting, sci-fi or fantasy, your choice, where for whatever reason, humanity had to start living in the sky, but they still need to get resources from the land and oceans below. Maybe they can't last long on the ground or water because it was cursed or contaminated with radiation. Maybe they can't touch it at all. I want to leave it fairly open to see where you guys take it. Have fun if you pick this. And if not, either way, thanks for reading this. Glue Axe. So obviously we read it. And obviously we're definitely doing such a cool idea. And I'm very excited to get into it. How do you so, pronounce Glue Axe? And what does that mean? It's an axe made out of glue. Oh, you know, okay. So it's like a glue axe. With that is deserving of follow-up email, actually. On today's episode, we're each introducing three facts about this new setting that are absolutely true. And because I never get to go first, I'm going first this time. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about, because we've been... You, you all know that sci-fi is kind of not my thing compared to fantasy. I mean, I have nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with sci-fi. I think it's cool. It's just my, my oeuvre where I really love to live and breathe and roll around in the muck is in fantasy. And so my first tenet is going to be magic exists and is deeply rooted in the three fundamental forces of the universe, namely time, space, and reality. So all magic is not going to be elemental based. It's not going to be like earth and, and fire and whatnot. I want it to be like every uh, mage in this setting are casting spells that bend time, space, and reality. So, you know, like gravity, slight teleportation, stuff like that. That's the general idea that I have here. And I just have a bunch of cool ideas surrounding that. Um, Do you have follow-up questions for that? Yeah, please go right ahead. So you were saying that it doesn't use elements. So if they wanted to channel fire, could they even do it? Or does it have to be something that... Uh, uses one of the forces like uh, time. time and gravity. Yeah, so actually that that's kind of the idea that I had is that it, there's there's no like lightning bolts and fireballs. If you wanted to do something with magic, you can only manipulate time, space, and reality. Which, you know, I was thinking about the possibility and what that would mean. And there's actually a lot that you can do with that. You know, like I had this idea and this kind of spills into a little bit of my one of my second ideas, but you know, I wanted there to be airships. And of course, when you have airships, you have cannons. But I had this idea of imagine that you had a bunch of time majors on board and you slow or stop the, the cannonball barrage, you know, whether it be incoming or outgoing, you know, so it's like, oh, you can dodge out of the way or you can fire the cannons and then freeze time and then lay, leave essentially like a, a, an ambush for someone who's following or, or, you know, like you can maneuver better or something like that. You could freeze a flame in place. Yeah, I, I was thinking of that or even something and beyond time, I was thinking about the other ones as well, where it's like with with, um, you know, either reality or space, there's this idea that you can, um, you know, manipulate gravity, 
right? So in a, in a setting that has a lot to do with getting to the ground safely, imagine like every, you know, like every first level mage or every, you know, novice mage, the first spell that they're going to learn is a way to defy or manipulate. It's going to be Featherfall, right? If, yeah. if we want to talk about it strictly in D&D terms, you want to manipulate gravity so you're not hitting the ground at, you know, terminal velocity. You want to yeah. be like, oh, I'm not going to die. I'm not dying for this dumb shit. I know how to manipulate gravity, stuff like that. Oh, so like manipulating reality might be changing a rule about how like the laws of physics work, for example. Uh, for example, I, I also had it like, and, and again, I think space is another one I do, I do want to talk about because everyone immediately goes into, um, you know, like teleportation, but there's mm -hmm. a lot more to space that you can do. So for example, right, like you want to tear a hole into space itself, right? So you can create something that is permeable, essentially, or you can create, you know, like intangibility. Uh, for for my for my big weebs out there, Chris, I know you're going to love this reference, but Sticky Fingers from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is kind of what I have partially in mind when I'm thinking of the manipulation of space, where, for those who don't know, first of all, you should go and watch Golden Wind, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, because it's amazing. But there is a character who can create zippers on any surface, and he can essentially create holes in things or do other cool, weird... Just go watch JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. What are you What are you waiting for? Come on, but but that's the type of magic that I had in mind, right? Where you're manipulating how time and space and reality all warp. And one other thing I do want to talk about as well is that there is, and this will actually go into my other stuff, so I'm going to leave it kind of vague for now. But you know how in in the typical elements, right? There are like elemental opposites, essentially. You know, like there's mm -hmm. fire and water, and earth and air, and stuff like that. In this, I actually wanted them all to be kind of codependent on one another. So it's not like there's all it's it's not like there's like a rock, paper, scissors type type triangle. But it's like, hey, no, time and space and reality all rely on in the magic that you can manipulate all rely on one another. So it's not like you can ju you can be a time mage. Right. But you understand that you're focusing on the time aspect, but you're also manipulating space and reality when you do it because they're all interdependent. I have uh, some follow-up questions as well. Please. Um, well, for one, so I just want to take another stab at um, a, a way of like getting to fire from time. Like for example, um, you could maybe like start a little bit of kindling and then speed up time to make a large, bigger, you know, conflagration potentially. That's one way to get around that. Um, Absolutely. But I was wondering, so what, what do you see as the distinction between reality and space? Is space like um, manipulating, you know, mass or distance? Where, but what is reality? Is that like rules breaking? See, I, I wanted to keep reality kind of vague because I did want it to be basically a whatever you want type deal. Um, mm -hmm. Is it subjectivity? Like, is that the experience of what people are seeing? Like what they experience? So, so my idea of reality is, is kind of twofold, right? Like, in one sense, it represents possibility. So mm -hmm. it represents like the panoply of dimensions that exist, right? So and you can, and pr right, probability as well. So like you can look into the future and you can see the reality before you and you can manipulate it. You can manipulate okay. it. But again, to go into the interconnectivity between the magic that also relies on time because you're also peering into time as well. And your manipulation of reality is based around your, you know, the other stuff as well. 
and and the other ideas of reality is uh, again it's it's more like a binding between for the other two where you know like is space gravity not really it's more of like a reality type thing and i i guess maybe we can call it something else but that's kind of the basic idea that i had surrounding it at least for now yeah it makes me think it, like you're kind of thinking about like you said when you said possibility that was really interesting because it makes me think of like probability um and i feel like in at least in science that's something you can play with in science fiction a lot um so i wonder if in in fantasy we could use that when you're thinking about looking into other possible realities because i could see like for example creating something from nothing might be interpreted as grabbing material from a different reality you know mm-hmm. that way you're summoning something and that might be a reality you move yeah yeah or like reality itself could be like manipulation of like what you have in front of you essentially right mm-hmm. so that's that's kind of an interesting take on it as well or like side powers yeah well, I was I was thinking more like, hey, I want to manipulate, you know, like like I want to imbue something with, you know, anti gravity, for example, mm-hmm. and then that's how reality. I think reality is a little bit looser. It was definitely the loosest of my ideas, like time and space, no problem. Mm-hmm. I wanted a third one to kind of balance it out and kind of make it to have because there there are certain things that I wasn't sure that would fit into time, like that fit inside of the area that I wanted to mess around with. Mm-hmm. And I was like time and space for sure. And then reality, which is kind of the loose idea that I had, we can workshop it for later, but that's the cool. general idea right now. You could just have it as one of the lesser understood areas of magic. Like just because you don't know how it works, doesn't mean that people in that world even know how it works. It yeah, could be some sort of breakthrough, uh, breakthrough, uh, magician, uh, the theory person who, theory person there has to be a better word for that but um who gets a the unified theory of magic yeah no that that's actually a really great point chris i think that that's important to recognize as well is that we don't have to have all the answers here um but maybe also, it represents yeah. uncertainty that could be very simple yeah and pro- i mean that that's possibility and probability mm-hmm. there as well yeah and i mean who who knows there could be like more than the, just the three that i have here these are just the fundamental ideas that i wanted to talk about okay um you know like we could we could even come up with like the anti you know like trinity right and have it be like void or something like that where it's the absence of space or reality or something Ooh, i like that because it's kind of like it's almost like video game-esque but in a way that's like you know fun to play with not to uh bring up jojo yet again but i do like the possibility of creative use of the magic of uh as we said we couldn't you might not be able to spontaneously create a fireball but maybe you could save a spark of fire and save a seed increase it to grow and just have a flaming tree shoot someone oh yeah that's cool and that's actually why i wanted to focus on this type of magic is because i want clever uses of stuff like that that's why i was thinking like okay with time magic, right? Like the idea that you're firing a bunch of cannonballs, slowing them, and then when a when your target passes by the fire the cannonballs, you release the spell and they go at regular speed again. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh god, we're getting pincer maneuvered by a single ship. You know, that, <laughs> that, that kind of thing. Or you could even do something like, hey, we're going to freeze these cannonballs in time so I can walk across them, you know, like so you're essentially, you know you're able to board a ship by firing cannonballs, which I think is kind of cool. Like weird little like tricks like that, that I think are, are clever as opposed to, Hey, I have this one shot fire ability that I'm just going to hit you with over and over. Like I wanted 
something subtle and clever as opposed to just like a big stick of magic that you can hit. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so that was my fundamental one. I wanted to make sure that we are rooted in a fantasy world. Daniel, why don't you go ahead and tell me what you added that made it so we're now in a science fantasy world? Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I do have one that's like that, but it can wait. Um, this one, I think, dovetails into your concept, which I think is kind of neat. Obviously, if you're going to have a sky a sky civilization, you've got to have sky pirates of some kind. So, or sky yeah, you uh, do. ships. Yeah, yeah, you do. You have to have <laughs> sky pirates. I'm so glad so, that we're on board with this, because that was one yeah. of as well. So yeah. these guys aren't quite, they're not pirates. So they're not, they, I mean, they, we can have pirates, obviously, but these guys are actually a guild of artifact hunters that are, that are sky, they're a sky guild. Um, and so what I had in mind is that on the surface of the world, um, whatever the surface is, there are these um, objects that have been scattered throughout and we can decide like what the situation is down there, whether they're wreckage or they're, you know, um, uh, treasures or whatever, um, but these these artifacts contain fragments of um, uh, fragments of intelligence or or power in them that can bind to people if they're if they're acquired. So these these sky guilds um, they're kind of these rogue captains who go um, from the sky nation or the sky civilization um, to go acquire these these objects for powerful people, whether they're um, like government officials or they're you know. I don't know, powerful military people or wealthy people, whatever, whoever they are, the highest bidder. Um, so they can um, get the limited quantity of them, bring them back up. Um, and they, they, I am the way I envision these objects working is that they have a unique power in them, which I guess would be governed by one of the, the, the Trinity of forces that we just came up with um, that uh, it's kind of like a relic you'd attach to yourself. So they, they appear like as jewelry or as ornaments to be worn and they bind to whomever um, has them. Okay, so what what does the magic do exactly? What, like what kind of, like it, you said it, it, it contains a, a strong mm-hmm. force of the fundamental element or, or the, hold on, let me try that again. <laughs> so what does this magic do exactly? Like, or, or what do these items do exactly? Because you said that they're bound to people and they mm-hmm. bind them to one of the three fundamental forces. Yeah. So what, what does that affect? How does that, how does that manifest? So I would leave, I want to leave that open-ended to you guys, but what I was thinking is that, um, for one, the objects themselves represent some power from the world below, like some unique, like, um, intelligence or, or, which ties into something else I'm going to add later. But, um, I, when I, when it's bound to someone, I want there to be a consequence. So maybe, um, it, it can drive you to madness or maybe it enhance it, 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 it heightens one of, maybe it heightens your, um, paranoia or something like I want it to have a negative effect in addition to giving you a power, um, from whatever that power is, whether it's, you know, uh, increased control over reality or increased control over space, depending on the flavor of the object. So it's an amplifier of whatever kind of magic you're manipulating already. So I know the way I see it is like they, they're they're fragments of the world below. So whatever is going on in the world below, you're carrying up a fragment of that up into the world above, and in so doing, it enhances the wielder, but it also has a consequence because it's not meant to be in the world above. No, okay. So Daniel, I I'm, I'm sorry, Chris. I actually have to go now because that I I think that works with what I with one of my ideas. I actually, it gets me really fucking excited because when you said there are shards of like what's below mm-hmm. it actually, so I came up with what, uh, and I know that this kind of takes a little bit of the mystery out of it, but 
I came up with what happened that forced people to leave the, the you know, terra firma, essentially. Let me just so, crop uh, this out on my piece of paper. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, we, we can know. We can make it work together, man. It's fine. That's what this is all about. Anyway, the idea is, and, and, and this is the idea that I had. So there were originally three moons in the sky, and they each represented one of the, you know, fundamental forces that I had in mind. And I don't know what happened. I was kind of kind of leave that up to you guys, but something happened where now there's only one. And what I think happened is the moons were either destroyed or something like that. And so when you go and what happens right with this is the only moon left represents time. And so at night, you know, depending on how full the moon is, it dramatically accelerates time. So when it first happened, you know, people were accelerating time for a day or, or two at a time. And then eventually it gets to the point where, you know, when the moon is full, you're jumping weeks or months or even years in some cases. And obviously that would really fuck with any kind of civilization when you wake up and you're suddenly 10 years older. And it's not like you have 10 years worth of experience. It's just that you've aged 10 years in the matter of a night you know, that kind of thing. And for whatever reason, again, we're going kind of soft on the magic in this regard. When you're in the sky, when you're not on the ground itself, it doesn't affect it. For oh, whatever I reason. see. Okay. Yeah. And, and the reason I had to go because, oh, these fragments that you're talking about, Daniel, these things that like amplify your abilities and everything, or these things mm -hmm. that kind of manipulate magic, they're pieces of the moon that have fallen to the earth. Oh, the other like, moons. I see. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so maybe, like, that means that there's no time fragments, which is correct. interesting. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, but, oh, but I like that, that. That, yeah, I, I, yeah, exactly. That's mm -hmm. why I had to go. It's because, okay, so now, and this is why, like, you when you go to the surface, you're good during the daytime, and you know, if if it's early in the phase of the moon, you can probably stay a couple days and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But once it turns to night, time randomly accelerates. Exactly. So you have to get the fuck out of you have to get off the earth as soon as it, possible it also implies a lot of things about the surface you know this is the science fiction in me but coming through in that if you remove two moons from a world you've severely fucked up the way that it, <laughs> its tides work oh, um yeah. so most likely that surface world which there's still a lot of mystery about it is that it's just pretty messed up <laughs> and you probably can't live down there easily yes you like you could but it's like man your your lifespan is so short Mm -hmm. And like, there's, there's a lot to this that I was thinking about that we could add and kind of mess around with. Um, for example, right? Like you have the corporations or the, or the people who are kind of higher in the totem pole who are like, Hey, look, your, your time is going to be short anyway. Like you're going to get paid shit, but you're going to go down there and live, you know, like and work in the mines. And it doesn't matter that your life's going to accelerate. Like who fucking cares? You know, like that, that's one part of it, right? Where you have the, 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 the exploitation of workers. And then there's a whole other part that I was thinking of where it's like, Oh man, uh, civilization is basically growing over its, or like, there's no such thing as civilization, or if it is, it's extremely overgrown. Like imagine, down there. Right. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So imagine, basically it's like time dilations happening down there. So like down a few, like maybe like a day in the world above could, depending on the random phase of the moon have been, 15 years or a year or 20 days, depending on each day changes the time down there. 
Exactly. Okay. And and now imagine like observing that and mm-hmm. watching like animal species evolve and like live and die. Oh wow, and that is crazy. <laughs> there's yeah, and and that's why I'm like, oh, this idea is super cool, is because you can yeah. do so much of it. You know, like and, and like you're saying, like if they sent like a, a bunch of people down there to a pocket to say you're gonna live on this like fragment of a, a continent, you know, and you're gonna build this one resource, and then 200 years passes, you know, so they can harvest. Right. It. There's a lot of I thought that with this idea there's just a lot of cool shit that you can do mm-hmm. in terms of you know like like how time works and watch it and, and this way the other cool thing that i like about it is uh it gets into the idea that whenever you go down to the surface it could be drastically different from the last time that you went and visited it you know so yeah. the the hunt for resources is kind of always or or often is you know like a a, a crapshoot no matter what and how the re- and the other thing I just realized now is those resources can drastically change. You know, like you, you could have gasoline or like coal or, or diamonds, you know, stuff that requires time to move forward, just change in, in a matter of months or day or years compared to other. It also means that time mages are very rare. Uh, I didn't think about that, but yes, you're, you're absolutely correct. I was thinking one of the unique things about that and also going into the time dilation and everything is when it's floating, it's also uh, tidally locked with uh, that area. This way it doesn't experience any sort of flow of different time. It is constantly floating in the same spot. It is maybe in a area of eternal sun or uh, twilight or however you wish to do it, but the fact that it's moving above the earth as it rotates or whatever we want to call this planet is making it that uh, the time dilation that it would have even experienced that high up isn't taking any sort of effect because it's what, staying locked in one area. What, what oh, are you talking about specifically? Say one of the giant continents or uh, one of the floating islands or anything is floating in such a way that it is tidally locked with what is uh, above, uh, like in its area of space. Okay, oh, see, that you're explaining why it does, it doesn't time dilate. Correct. I see. Okay, see, I, I wasn't thinking that we had floating islands or continents. I was thinking that there is just a planet, and then above that are where people live. You know, like. But if you want to introduce that, go right ahead. All right. I I, I didn't have that idea in mind. I had it so it was like. There's the Earth, and then there's everything above that that you know you have to kind of live off. Oh, of. I pictured a continent above in the sky, kind of like Chris is saying. See, yeah, yeah, okay. So, th- and this is the thing. This is the part that we kind of have to like hammer down and hammer out. So, Chris, go ahead and introduce that for me, please. So now we have floating continents that are yeah. tidally locked. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, that was pretty much the premise of how they avoid any sort of time dilation and keep a. Uh, what would it be like a, a consistent amount of time? Cause if it was different areas and floating in anything, it would be vastly different, but at least this way they can have something that people can look to and be like, no, this is the constant you might come up and it, uh, you might've experienced uh, a change of 50 years between the last time that you came up, but you can still visit someone who was there 50 years ago and see your old friend. He might so be a lot younger than you, but. So can we make that like, so, okay, can we make something about that floating continent really special? Can we basically have it be like, there's just the one and it's not yeah. even necessarily that large, you know? Mm. Like I like that, yeah. Cause then it's like, it's the way that it's where they escape to. 
Yeah. And not only that, but we can also have it be like, I'm thinking that we could have that area in particular be like the baddies, essentially, you know, where it's like the big bad empire. It's like the t- the the time immemorial empire, you know, where it's like these are the only ones to survive. And maybe and maybe it's because they're like a floating island of of time mages, you know, like maybe that's where time magic Maybe they lifted that that continent up and now they're in Eternal Sun. Like, I really like that you said it could be Eternal Daylight. Like, that's really cool. Yeah, 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 that's very true. And one of the other things that I was thinking is the whole reason that uh, this island is floating or whatever, and the reason that you can have a lot of different kind of floating airships and other things is this is also made out of uh, an element that is effectively lighter than air, just naturally. Like, uh, I'm picturing something like vibranium or something, like kind of like how Wakanda was on top of uh, that meteorite. This one is on top of, I don't know, suspendadium or something. Suspendadium. You heard me. Spundadium. Okay. Like, we lost those two moons. Like, maybe, like, when the two moons were lost, a piece of the the time moon was broken off, and that's the continent that they rose up in. Ooh, that's good. And and so now you have, like, a weird fucked up... Yeah, that's cool. I like that. I like that a lot, actually. Um, So it's... So the continent itself is... So there was some great, like, astrological disaster that wiped out two moons and a large chunk of the third crazy shit (laughs) yeah and so like that chunk is now like floating like the time time just throws it up that's freaking cool yeah okay and it's naturally buoyant because it's the moon i guess and it's it's made of suspendium according to chris yes spundanium spundanium sorry spundanium i love that That is the dumb. That's probably one of the dumbest things we've named here on the podcast. (laughs) It's still better than unobtainium. I would agree with that. um, What's the name of our moon? Selena? So so, so, we call it selenium? Daniel. Daniel, don't you do this, Daniel. We're not doing this. Uh, Okay. Uh, Cool. I'm down with this. I I like everything that we're going with. So I had a concept for um, an, an autocrat. And so I wanted someone who is overseeing the government who the, the a government officials themselves have never seen. So this autocrat, um, no one knows what they look like or who they are specifically, just that they make pronouncements and are the ruler of the nation and they're feared and revered. Um, and that the government officials, like the adjuncts of this autocrat, um, speak to the autocrat by proxy. So they never directly see this person. Maybe they go to a, a chamber that has like, um, you know, a face from which it makes pronouncements. But the autocrat themselves is a, is a big mystery. And I, I'm assuming that the autocrat must be a very powerful time being of some sort since it's, it's, it's you know, capable of governing this whole country. Um, but... Uh, on the same side, you could think perhaps maybe the autocrat doesn't really exist, or maybe the autocrat is multiple people. So there's a lot of possibilities of what it could be. But just that I wanted it to be this um, very powerful, revered figure that's mysterious and unknown as to what it is. Yeah, that's that's really cool, actually. Uh, because in, in my mind, I've already created a headcanon of what this is. <laughs> so, so first of all, you got this idea where it's like, it's the faceless emperor right yeah and you there's also this point where it's like oh you know what that is that's just a time like it, it's an incredibly powerful time mage 
Mm-hmm. And it is either himself multiple times kind of copied throughout time where he's mm-hmm. manipulating time and reality. So it's multiple versions of himself at different ages, mm-hmm. right? Just all at the same time. Or it's kind of like a, um, it's like a Madame Blavatsky kind of like, like you said, where it's like, oh, this is actually just an excuse for someone to be like, oh, I'm not issuing this decree. It's the uh, emperor where they're the, the actual council that's taking the existence of him yeah. over time. You know, exactly the great exactly. masters. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, exactly right. The, the great ma- It's not me. I mean, I'm not the one issuing this decree. It's the master. <laughs> Yeah, I'm reminded um, of of the Autark from um, the Book of the Long Sun, although that was an actual being, um, just in the sense that it's this very mysterious entity that's feared and revered. Yeah, I, and I should I should make I should point out that that's just my head canon. It's not necessarily the correct canon yet. You know, like that's just the idea that I had. But I'm like, I love I love anything that creates mystery and anything that it's like, oh yeah, you like you're is by by creating that question mark you're giving everyone else license to be like, yeah, do whatever you think is coolest, you know, like that kind of thing. And I, I love stuff like that in settings, like where there's a question mark or there's like enough space for you to go crazy with. Guys, I think we've just devised a dying earth setting. No, it, no, we haven't. Uh, it fits all the qualifications of a dying earth setting. No, we're, we're no, we're not doing that. <laughs> it's too late. You did it already. <laughs> no, I refuse. Uh, you have you have a world that's post ruin. You, if you, I don't. We don't have the big bloated sun, which I think is required. Um, but we also have high magic that could potentially have been technological, since we have time dilation. We're on the precipice. Oh no. Uh, so my third one is uh, my third <laughs> idea is it's definitely not a dying earth. Um, <laughs> Actually, if you want, I, I can send you the link where it's like it's in bold letters. Definitely not, not a dying word. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, I, I do want to. I, I do want to continue to touch on your autocrat here for a bit because I think it's mm-hmm. important to note that, like the flying or the the floating like empire that we have here, or the floating kingdom or whatever, is not the norm. I, I think that I want to make clear that that's not the normalcy uh, you know because it's not like everyone is on this one cramped little planet i always had the idea of you know everyone else is basically living in floating cities you know like where they're made up of um what are essentially hot air balloons right where that's oh, okay. they're keeping themselves like aloft through cities made of hot air balloons that's my idea oh cool so are these on also yeah. like on fragments of the of the time moon as well no, no, actually, I was just thinking that it's like natural gas. And that's one of the things that they have to harvest is like a natural gas that can keep them afloat long enough. So they're not just like, you know, because the city can sink and everything like that. There's all there's all sorts of stuff that you can do with it that I think is interesting. That that could also be one of the uh, advantages of uh, that continent is the fact that they don't have to worry about that since it's made out uh, of a naturally floating right. substance. Smart. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Yeah. And it, it, creates, the power. it creates some interesting conflict, too, because now you have, like you said, this really powerful, secure nation that most likely wants to force everyone else who's occupying its airspace to be part of its dominion. So, you know, you have ragtag you know, potential, potentially ragtag captains trying to avoid this empire and saying, like, we own the skies, too, you know. And so there's this war in the skies that's independent of all the stuff that's happening below. 
Oh, that's, and that's exactly what I had in mind where I actually didn't have the idea of like a, a floating continent at first, but now that we've added that, like that, I had it mostly where it's like, um, a bunch of rogue, you know, like traders, essentially. Yeah. No, not necessarily traders, but they could be. Um, but it's like a bunch of rogue communities that are forced to kind of slap together and they all have airships or, you know, floating, um, hot air balloons and stuff like that to keep cities aloft and they create communities with one another. And I think it's kind of cool because moving cities and stuff like that, where people can be like, Oh, we're trading with this other city in a couple days because we're physically going to fly next to it soon, you know, stuff like that. Or, or sky battles also very cool. Yeah. I think all that works because now you have, um, kind of like a, lar- a larger city state and then you have a bunch of other interacting um kind of free nations and we also have the sky guild that i assume is neutral to all of those and interacts with all of them well I- i'd say neutral in like quotation marks you know like self-serving is more the way that i would see it but yeah yeah that's what i mean like they're not yeah. taking a side of, of either one right so okay so now we have okay that's kind of cool actually because now you have what what could you know air quotes be the rebels with like these little flying cities and stuff like that. And then you have the empire, which is a continent. Yep. And obviously like the continent, the, the empire has a huge advantage because they don't have to worry about resources to keep them aloft. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they apparently have a leader who seems to be immortal or beyond time, you know, <laughs> and, and some, yeah, exactly. And some kind of power, incredibly powerful uh, magic user of some kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This is all mm-hmm. coming together. Mm-hmm. It's cool. So this idea for mine comes from Made in the Abyss. Oh, yeah. If you've ever seen the anime. Yeah, I know you have. I know. You, yeah, I was like, we watched it together, Chris. Yes. <laughs> yes. I believe you've seen it, have you? <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but I did want it to be that uh, kind of like these airships also work in a way of being reverse submersibles at the same time. In the fact that they, as they go closer to the, like, the bedrock and the bottom because I, I picture any of this uh, like the terrain being somewhat malleable and the fact that reality is kind of weird down there mm-hmm. and the fact that you might have to use your ship to navigate in between like uh, spires of rock or like even slightly floating rocks that just aren't worth it like to mine or maybe that could be something that people actually look for to just like, Hey, if we have this next month, we'll only need X more fuel because this will keep us aloft by 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. But I picture as they go further down, it just gets weirder. Oh and, my God. I also had that idea. We're on the same page. And also going into your uh, aspect of, I think you call them artifacts. Yeah. Or more relics, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Going back into the time dilation, the fact that, uh, maybe in a blink of an eye, thousands of years could pass. Mm-hmm. People who are left down there, uh, have we established whether or not they experience the passage of time or whether uh, like you wake up should. and suddenly you're 50 years older? I think they have to if it's time dilation. Well, see, the, the way that I had it is that it wasn't necessarily dilation, just acceleration. So it's a matter of you wake up and 50 years are gone and you're like wrinkled and you're like, oh shit, like what happened to my life? Like you have no idea what happened. And it's not well, like you lived it, 
you know? So I just wanted to say, can we unpack the way time works a little bit? Because I think that's important to how this would all tie together. Only because when you have time dilation, it's always from someone's perspective. So for example, if we're saying like, if I'm on the floating empire state, right? And it has a fixed time in the sense that time passes at a different rate for, for people up there. And they're looking down and their expectation is, you know, from day to day, what's going on down there, more time could have passed. Like, so like one day for them might've been like 500 years down there on one of their days. Um, If we don't have the people down there actually experience those 500 years, I think two things go away. One, you lose the risk of going down there because I could go down there, experience 500 years and, and then wake up. And now if I go back up, you know, it's only been a day, but like nothing's really happened to me. But if I went down there and 500 years passes, I might have, I may, it may be like only another day for me. But then I, when I come back out, you know, it's 500 years later, that's, that's what time dilation ends up being. So it's like, the question is like, how, how what's the relationship between the two? Like, is it that if I go down there, do you, do you remember the movie Interstellar, like for example, uh-huh. where they had the fear of going down on that planet and if they didn't get out in a certain amount of time, you know, a lot of time would pass for them relative to what's outside of the planet. So, like, if they stay down there too long, when they come back up, it's now 500 years later. That's what the effect of time dilation is. Now, yes. we can do it the magical way, the opposite way, where it's like they go, kind of go to sleep and don't experience it. But it's like, what's the passage mean then? Okay, so so I do want to make sure that this is the distinction where this this acceleration of time, it's, it's not like 500 years at a shot, right? It is at most a year during one yeah. night, though. Right. So okay. or, or let's say let's say that let's cap it at 10 years, let's say. Right. Mm-hmm. And when I say it's not necessarily dilation because you don't experience the time, it's a matter of accelerated decay. So you'll wake up and you were, you know, thir- 20 before and you wake up in you know, 30 or 40, let's say. Mm-hmm. And you haven't all you've experienced is the accelerated aging process. It's not like you got to experience and live oh, 10 okay. years. So maybe so, what we should say is it's en- not time, but entropy. Because that's what you're talking about. Is Well, the entropy is just a matter of time, isn't it? Like it's this, it's, it's a synonym in that regard. Well, I mean, the effect of time is entropy. So that's what I mean. Like yeah. maybe, maybe we call it time for the sake of like fantasy and magic. But what's really happening is it's accelerating the entropy. I was kind of picturing it as being like someone goes down and then someone comes up and they have like a 200 year old promissory note that just like my grandfather gave this to me and said that if I delivered this limestone, I would get citizenship. Oh, yeah. No, the, the way that I had it in mind is that if you're living on the surface, your lifespan is being cut down significantly just because it's like, oh, hey, I'm going down there and then you stay there for like a week during the full moon and all of a sudden 50 years has passed and you come back up and it's not like you lived 50 years, but it's a matter of, Oh, I'm now 50 years old. And I, you know, I'm only actually 20 years old, that kind of thing. So to, to wrap, to go to tie that, that means that that means when you go down there, the risk that you're facing is that you might experience a lot of entropy, but I mean a lot of decay in a short period of time. So like I might've gone down there for a day, the moon passes and if it hits me with, you know, a year of entropy or 15 years of entropy. Then when I come back, when I come back up, you know, it's this, it's the same like day, just that I feel 15 years older. Correct. And okay. which is why I think when you look at like, it's it, the reason I wanted to have it be in phases of the moon 
is so people could understand what was happening and they would have enough time to prevent it or at least try or go at a better it. time. So basically right. it's not time to just for our listeners. We're not talking about time dilation. We're talking more about um, kind of like sped up entropy. And so the time on the, on the continent and the time on the surface is equivalent. It's just that there's more entropy on certain days when you go down. Right. Correct. Talking about a lot yeah. of shit I don't understand. So yes, I know. Yes, I know. I know that that's going to get we're going to called out for not handling time dilation properly. So that's why I want to make the distinction here. No, and, and that's fine. That, that's totally fine because that's like you, like you said, you're the one who who knows more about sci-fi. I just wanted to fuck around with time because I thought it would be cool. Like I'm coming. And there's a definite relationship, like you're saying, between. The could two. I could I break a rule for my thing? Oh, God damn it. Yeah. No, no, no. But I also have a way that it's super rare. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. Well, I, I, and since we're so, going with phases of the moon, solar okay, eclipse. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, Ooh, yeah, no, solar eclipse. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's the type of shit that I'm talking about where, like, you can have stuff like that happen and it drastically affects, drastically affects the world. Like, that, like, absolutely. Like, that's, that's part of why I'm here. That's part of what I'm into. Mm-hmm. When it comes to stuff like that, where you have the exceptions, you have eclipses, and I did think about that as well, because yeah, that shit's cool as fuck. Yeah. So what's the what's the thing? Yeah, what's the thing, Chris? The the idea that I had, which was coming from uh, Made in the Abyss, is I wanted artifacts from a not like a precursor civilization, but a group of people that had experienced accelerated time down there. They have died out, but some of the artifacts and the things that they built still exist there. And the way that I was going to explain that there are these ruins and other things down there is the tidally locked uh, island experienced the inverse of time due to the fact that there was a solar eclipse. And since they're always in the in the sun, as it would be, they experienced where time froze for them, but it accelerated below them. That's really cool. Mm. That's pretty fucking cool. And I think what we can do with that as well is we can have it be so it's like it's entropy for most, but it, you'll have pockets where it is dilation. Maybe we can do both. Maybe we can have our cake and eat it too, Daniel, where we can experience <laughs> dilation and like accelerated entropy. So we can have it both. Ooh, ways. Maybe it's so maybe they're, maybe they're visible pockets. Like if I go down there and it's like a, a one year entropy uh, moon phase, right? So I know that I'm going to lose a year of my life when I come back out in terms of, you know, the decay of my body but there's certain if i'm flying my ship around i'm trying to get to that deep dark crevice to get that artifact there might be these glowing yellow pockets and if i pass through them the second for the few seconds i'm in there it's actually like 15 you know hours right and i come back out and it's 15 hours later i'm like crap i just lost 15 hours it's closer to the end of the phase now i risk you know being in a different phase of the moon where there's even more entropy afflicting me so you've got to avoid these little time dilation pockets while you're traveling or you can have people who seek them out, you know, like these knowledge yeah. seekers who are like, I want to experience time dilation. To because bide their mean. time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. Oh, man. This is getting Genius. fucking ridiculous. Oh, my God. It's co- oh, uh, one other thing I did want to talk about with the floating island that you're talking about, Chris. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of things. How do you guys feel about the island itself? Like not having any control over where it moves. So, you know, like the empire doesn't have an opportunity to kind of steer itself, right? Because it's kind of at the mercy of this moon rock, but all of the other, you know, like kind of rogue nations can because they're literally flying cities. 
Yeah, I think Chris said it's tidally, it's locked to where it is, right? Oh yeah, that's right. You said you did you did say that it was like it, it was stuck. In but it doesn't necessarily down. mean that it, it's tidally locked with uh with the uh, sunlight. Doesn't necessarily mean that it's geographically because the planet's moving underneath. So oh. uh, yeah, it's floating left and right and yeah. Okay. Okay, and and to further steal from Maiden Abyss, I actually want to talk about the idea that. Uh, there's like a giant hole or a crater where let's say that the moon originally impacted this area. And now oh, it's like not, a, this is impinging upon mine. <laughs> yeah. No, this is not one of my ideas. I'm just like, tossing it out there because I thought it'd be cool. But go ahead. What were you going to say, Daniel? You have, you have yours. Go ahead. You're going, I think you're going exactly where my last one was going to go, which originally was the, the sentence I had originally, there was a place beneath the oceans rumored to be the source of the planet's power. But given all the things we've come up with, it seems like we know the source of the power is the other moons. So that must mean where those moons crashed, there's an intense um, amount of, 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 of this magical energy that's accessible, but it's deep, deep, deep underneath the oceans in all this weirdness that Chris, Chris was describing. And I wanted, I wanted it to be that the closer you got to those moons, just like Chris was saying too, is the weirder the landscape down there gets and the stranger things are kind of like, you know, like a lost in space where they were approaching all this weird messed up time area. Um, or like in No Man's Sky, the promise of, of the planets being weirder the closer you got. And I wanted it to be too that it's it's hard to know. You can't really know exactly where these moons crashed, but the approach you can approach that area, and you know it's going to be a really tough ride to get to them. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm cool. I'm cool with that. Where it's like you have pockets of like just incredibly warped reality and space, perhaps. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> And then that's why you have like fragments of time that are dilated because again, it's fragments of the moon that have been shattered and like messed up. Okay. Yeah. No, we can fuck with this for sure. Mine was going to be another advantage of the uh, empire of like the internal sun. I wanted it to be once again, going to the fact that they have that kind of element that allows them to keep their city buoyant is also something that they get as a, a military aspect in the fact that they can iron plate these things. And it won't affect the buoyancy. Whereas other people need to use wooden shit. Because. Ooh. And it just makes me think of Iron Skies. That's really Oh, I see cool. what you mean. So, like, they, they don't, because they're, 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 like, because what they're lifted up by is magical, they're not really concerned with, like, how armored and defended and how much stuff is on their, their continent. Whereas other rogue um, sky nations, like, they have to worry about, like, what they're carrying because they're, they're naturally lifting themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because like wood is obviously much lighter than steel, and so you're not going to have like steel ships with you know like hot air balloons and stuff like that. Oh, that's really cool, Chris. That's like that's a really great yeah. conceit on top of the empire. So it's like they have resources as you know a major uh, advantage compared to the other. Their technology, just obviously, like they don't yeah. have to worry about like they don't have to balance anything <laughs> when it comes down to it. Yeah, but I guess yeah. their their like their their only weakness is that they're they have a predictable uh, location, right? So the way the rebels can fight them is that they they can be anywhere, whereas the empire always in a certain place, following the phases of the sun or whatever. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So and and this is the thing. Uh, I I don't think that people recognize how important mobility is when it comes to warfare. Like having knowing where your enemy is going to be is like such a massive part of like warfare in general, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, they, 
they think that there is an advantage here, but it's actually, I think it feels like it barely equals out to be about the same with a slight advantage for the empire overall. That must be why the empire wants to wrangle them under their control because they can't sit there like forever and just defend themselves, you know? (laughs) Right. Right. Oh man. Okay. This, this set guys, this fucking setting is really cool and I'm get I'm getting so into it. I was already excited before, but now that we've talked about it, I'm like, yes, everything about this is like, fucking rad. I, and I like that we haven't tried to mess with the mystery too much of like the collapse of the moons or really what's going on down there. Cause I feel like if there's some ominous stuff going down in there, that's stuff to be discovered by like either the stories or the, the players or whoever you know, interacts with the setting. That's for philosophers and mage scientists. You know, right yeah. now the work, the powers that be are not caring about the larger picture. Exactly. <laughs> I think. I think uh, when we talked to James Sutter, he made this point as well. It's like having mystery is such an important part of the setting, and I and I agree. Leaving that mystery alone is is part of the fun here, right? It's part of the important part of of getting people interested and involved in this because. Like I said, I have my own headcanon for the Empire and Emperor and everything like that, but that's not true. That's not necessarily correct. You know, as and I think that a lot of established settings should have that as well, where it's like, yeah, that's their idea. That's the creator's idea. But I think that this idea is better. And I'm that's yeah. what I'm gonna run with. I think that's really important to keep in mind whenever anyone is creating a, a setting, you know, where you can basically take an entire setting and then change something about it. And of course, there's going to be like the butthurt nerds who are like, well, in canon, that's not actually how it is. You know, like stuff like that, <laughs> to which I say, like, yes, in that canon, that's true. But this is the canon that I'm creating and it's different. So mm-hmm. you have to accept that reality. Like all of this other stuff is true, but I'm tangent over. Random, r- I'm with over. you, but I do have to say that doesn't undermine all of me and Daniel who have bitched about Star Trek and Star Wars. <laughs> well, there's, there's, I think what we're complaining about, though, to in our defense, is not canon, but being true to the genre you're writing in, right? So if, mm. if you're not writing utopian, utopian fiction, you're not writing uh, Star Trek. That's what we're saying. Right. Okay. It, it's, okay. it's Thank like you for just You're more us. angry about it. <laughs> yeah. No, you guys aren't mad that Picard is, is bad and like ruins the character because all that other TNG stuff still happened and mm-hmm. still exist it's that this new series does not ruin that character it's like you can still accept it as okay this is the sequel where all sorts of bad dumb shit happens and you're mad that you're mad not at the fact that your character is ruined because he's not he's still over there in 1980 something on tng right <laughs> 1992 but it's well no it was 80s something when it started right really yeah the very end of the 80s yeah, yeah, it was like 89 when TNG started. Yeah. Anyway, how do I know more about TNG than you do, Chris? Fuck's sake. But but my point I don't know dates. Like, I know their dates. <laughs> All right. Anyway, my point being is that that TNG still exists. And so when yeah. you look at new Picard, he's not ruining the old Picard because that's st- that still exists. But what you're mad about is the idea that this whole idea that you had of what sci-fi and specifically what star trek should be is not true to what you had in mind when you're talking about tng and other star trek is that yeah i mean it's 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 kind kind of it's kind of like if if i set out to write like um a lord of the rings s story so like the high heroic um you know adventures and the evil is personified abstractly and all that and i end up writing like 
a um, gritty, realistic, grimdark um, fantasy where they're tracking resources and it's all about like um, surviving in a post-apocalypse. I have failed to write high fantasy, right? So, <laughs> right. So, and, and that's, so that's what we're saying. You know, you have to be true yeah. to the genre you're setting, the expectations you're setting up in the genre. Absolutely. And if you wanted to do a grimdark high fantasy, you can do that. Yeah. But like maybe and like maybe try and do it in a little your own way. You know, like maybe yeah. not marry it to a franchise that's so, you know, whatever. I don't promise that this is going to be the most thoughtful representation of Captain Picard that we've seen when you're wow. just going to give wow. people swords yeah. to behead people. That's uh, the opposite of what you promised. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a rant. That was a, that was a severe rant, but I'm glad that we got it out there. Um, yeah. Did, did we have any other thoughts about our, uh, okay. We have to come up with some kind of a name for this, right? With a, with had a thousand name. in it. Yeah, no, that's no, true. No, no, no. That it should. I think not. you know we should have a thousand. So it should always be land of a thousand blank. I, I don't. Yeah. I wanted to get away from that naming convention because I love last, that convention. Okay, the first, the last two that we did, one we had to do land of a thousand mods because it rhymed with gods and it was about cyberpunk. So obviously, it's hilarious. But then, like our uh, our listener email was like, "Hey, I want to name it this because it's solar punk and also pots as in plants." It doesn't have the rhyme. No, 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 I'm not saying that, but yeah. I'm just like, maybe we cannot have the same name all the time. Land of a thousand moons, land of a thousand skies. There's not a thousand. There's only one sky. <laughs> yeah, there's only the one sky. This but there's technically different Land sky. of eternal sunshine and the spotless moon. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's, 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 there's literally a giant spot in the moon, Chris. That's part <laughs> of the fucking... <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so... Uh, we're just gonna have to figure out a name some other point. Maybe it'll uh, appear in the title of the thing. Uh, I, I think I've yeah, I, I think I've named this one Sky Living for the time being, which is a really <laughs> dumb name, but I'm down with it. So whatever. I'm I'm always <laughs> thinking about branding here. <laughs> uh, I I know that you can't help it. The the freelancer and you won't allow it. Sky <laughs> never yeah. sets on Sky Britain. I have to, yeah, we're, we're, we're just, I can't, I can't have this in the podcast. I'm going to cut all this, but still, <laughs> we have to come up with a better name. Yeah, it's, um, I, I, I'm, I'm super pro land of a thousand something. Yeah, but there's no land of a, th like, we can't. Well, you got to take it metaphorically. Like, like, there's a thousand different skies, for example, in this setting. But there's not. There's, there's just the one sky. Well, think of it from the perspective of the inhabitants, right? There's the sky of the empire. There's the sky of the rebels. There's the sky of the sky guilds. They're all they're all dealing can we, with. Can we areas. wait? Can we have? Hold on. Let's let's do something even dumber. Can we have this be the oh, sky yeah. of a thousand lands? Yes, that's even better. I love that. That's perfect. Sky of a thousand lands. Oh, it's so dumb. I hate oh my god, so I'm two hundred and fifty percent behind that. Damn it. That was supposed to be a dumb, funny no, joke. No, it's so good. no, it's happening. It's so good. Oh, <laughs> it's brilliant. Uh, You're a genius. No stupid ideas. This. Now I have to keep this, so it's when so people genius. look at the dumbass name, they're gonna be like, "How the fuck did they get to this?" <laughs> so good. Uh, I apologize for everyone who listened to the last ten minutes of that. That was just other nonsense. <laughs> Sky of a Thousand Lands. Yeah. All right. All right. Fine. That's what it is. It's so dumb. God damn it.
All right. Thanks. So, so now you get to see how the sausage is made sometimes, folks. And that's just we just we badger him into agreeing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's actually more accurate. Abuse, oh, we never had aphids. Yeah. I know. What we didn't get the scummy aphids. All right. So that'll wrap it up for this episode. Join us next time as we discuss the technology, conflicts, and factions within the Sky of a Thousand Lands setting. <laughs> Thanks for putting up with our fucking dumb bullshit, you guys. But um, that was that was this episode. Remember, if you want to suggest your own setting and dumb name, you can always email us at worldbuildwithus at gmail.com or you can send us a tweet or DM at Let's World Build. And uh, remember that we love you very much. We hope you have a great week and we're all in this together until next time.